0: came and shed your blood to wash us God not cover us but to wash us God cast our sin as far as the east is from the west to never be remembered again to cleanse us Jesus thank you Lord that your blood is not a covering for a stain but God it's a cleansing for a soul God this place God we celebrate your goodness with thankfulness In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. And a couple of things as we are uh, getting set here for uh, Children's Church Dismissal and um, everything that goes along with that. Um, Everybody say 25. 25. 25. Uh, this October, uh, Firm Foundation Ministries will be celebrating its 25th anniversary as a church. Come on, give God praise for that. Uh, what an incredible honor uh, to, to do that and to celebrate um, 18 of those years. Uh, I've had the privilege and honor of being here to worship with you and uh, walk on this journey with the Lord. That's an incredible thing. Um we are, as an eldership team, and uh, starting to plan now what we want that Sunday to look like uh, on October the 10th, uh, but one thing I can tell you today, that uh, a man who was very strategic in the founding of this ministry, uh, a man who it, it walks in an apostolic gracing and uh, has laid foundations uh, over his life into a lot of churches, but in particular ours, um, and so uh, in 1996, he was part of encouraging and helping uh, the planting uh, of uh, Firm Foundation Ministries. And uh, I have been in contact with him and asked him if he would come and be our keynote speaker for that morning for our celebration. So I wanted, I wanted to let you know, many of you know him, but Art Good will be here uh, to speak to us and celebrate with us on October the 10th for our 25th anniversary. Uh, So him and Louise, if you know them, uh, you have been blessed by who they are. And uh, uh, man, if you haven't, you will be blessed by um, their gracing and gifting. And it's an honor to have them back. And so uh, look forward to October the 10th uh, for our celebration here uh, for 25 years. Amen? Hallelujah. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 14. And we're going to talk about um, this day, communion. This time and this place. Hello, somebody. Right here, right now. If I say right here, right Right now. Right Right here, right now. Now, I often say maybe you don't read your Bible like I do. I just want to point some things out to you as we begin to read today in Mark chapter uh, 14, verse 12. Then on the first day of unleavened bread, When they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into a city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room? very important, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Everybody say ready. Come on, it's ready. Jesus said, I have desired with all this. Come on, somebody. I've been planning this. I've been thinking about this. He said, furnished and ready, they are prepared for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them. Imagine that. Shocker. And They prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at the table eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me and one who is eating with me. And they began to be sorrowful and said to him one after another, Is it I? And he said to them, It is one of the twelve, one whom... "'is dipping bread into the dish with me. "'For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, "'but woe to the man whom the Son of Man has betrayed. "'It would have been better for him "'that he would not have been born. "'And as they were eating, he took bread, "'and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them, "'and said, "'Take, eat, this is my body.' "'And he took a cup. "'And when he had given thanks, he gave to them, "'and they all drank of it. "'And he said to them, "'This is my blood, the covenant.' which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine again until that day when I drink new in the kingdom of God. Listen to this. And when they had sung a hymn, they went to the Mount of Olives. So, Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? All right, let's go to work. When someone has been struggling with an illness, maybe for a good length of time or maybe an onset illness, you go to the doctor. And you're told by the doctor... terminal. Now, that's a traumatic time in someone's life. Someone in this room, someone listening may be right there. Maybe you've known someone who's been there. Maybe you sat in the room and heard a doctor say those words. Now, naturally, when that is expressed... This bad news comes, several things start to work right away. I've been in the room and heard those words from a doctor to another person. I've met with people after they've heard those words in my office. And there are two things that undoubtedly take place every time. Both of them surround help. Right away, we start seeking help. Right away, we start seeking help. And I've noticed that from time to time, uh, often, more times than not, spiritual help is something that begins to be sought in those moments. After we've heard those statements. Begin to look at what it means to think about eternity. Because oftentimes we live in this world, and because this is the only life that we know, even though as a believer we can think about living forever, uh, we often overlook the fact that no matter who you are, no matter whether you're a believer or a non-believer, you will live forever. Somewhere, heaven or hell. But oftentimes when we hear this, we start to think about what's the next step? How do I get things in order? Should we pray for healing? Should we pray for a miracle? Should we begin to seek God about this and those type of things? And and, and, and it can happen to everybody. Whether you've had a long walk with Jesus your whole life and you hear this word. We talked about... Last week, Elisha, the prophet, who walked in a double portion of his mentor, Elijah, who performed all kinds of miracles. The Bible literally says he was old and sick unto death from a disease. And I love the fact that God puts biblical heroes on the page and always puts them in a position so we can relate to them. He brings out the humanity of the Scripture to us. So that we can, we can understand that the heroes of the Bible aren't meant to be untouchable. And that their walk of faith, like our walk of faith, is not to be looked at as something that's unattainable. I don't care where you're at, what you've been through, what you're going through, what you will go through. You can walk with Jesus. You can overcome and walk with the Lord. You can face death and walk with God. You can face addiction and walk with God. You can face woundedness and walk with God. You can face heartache and walk with God. You can do those things. As a matter of fact, I don't know how you do those things without walking with God. And it can be people who've walked with God for years who have heard this Statement. Or it can be people who didn't have much time for the Lord in their life before this. And all of a sudden now God is a top priority. There was a man in the Old Testament. His name was Hezekiah. He struggled in his walk with God, in his relationship with God. He struggled to be right with God. And and a prophet came and, and said, that's it, God's had enough of your mess. I don't have time to read your Bible to you. And Hezekiah prayed. And God, the Bible says God gave him 15 more years. Now, we can debate about whether he used that 15 years fruitfully or not. Uh, uh, That's doctrine we can walk through later. But God added 15 more years to his life because of the way he responded in that moment. Now, there's something about facing a circumstance that will cause any of us to seek God to get our house in order. And I don't know, church, that you could be better positioned to agree with this statement. But whether you're sick or not, whether you are a believer or not, The circumstances and the situations of the world that you and I live in right now require us more than ever to get a house in order. We have preached for a long time. Oh, we live in the last days while we live in comfort. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, when everything starts to get uncomfortable, we get all violated in our spirit, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, we've been talking about living in the last days for years, what y'all think it is going to look like." Where evil men would lead with wicked hearts, regardless of what critter is over their political party. where the world would eat its own and devour itself. What did we think it was going to look like, church? And I got news for you. The Bible says that in the very last days... (coughs) Come on, church. Can you imagine as the floodwaters rose around Noah's ark? And God, the Bible says, God shut the door. And as that door closed, boom. The people outside of that door knocking, finally realizing, you know what, I should have got my house in order. I want this ministry to understand right now that I believe that just as perilous as the end times will be I also believe it will be one of the most fruitful times for the kingdom of God and this is why preaching should bring us to the place to say regardless of whether we've heard a doctor say it's terminal the end is coming we've been speaking that spiritually for a long time church there is something about facing circumstance that will cause us to seek God and get our house in order Now, obviously, when people hear the the term from the doctor, uh, it's terminal and time is short, they do start to seek medical help. What can we do? How do we walk through this? I read a story. I was going to use Doug, but I won't. I read a story about a man who had been seeing a psychologist for years. And... This was a full-grown man, but he couldn't sleep and rest at night because of a fear he had in his heart. He never overcome it. And while we may think that it's funny or silly, to him it was very real. You ever notice that? Sometimes the fears or anxieties that you have in your life, other people just dismiss them as if they're nothing. But to you, it's very real. Your heart beats, your heart races. you can't overcome it. You seem to never get over while other people never struggle with it at all. this man couldn't rest peacefully at all because he had a fear, a full-grown man, that a monster was under his bed every night and that a devil was going to manifest and get him every night. And it was, plagued his mind. plagued his, And for years, he sought a psychologist and meds and, and counseling and those things. He could never go out. Well, one, one day, he didn't make his appointment. And he didn't reschedule another and some time went by where he didn't go to the psychologist ever again. And in the grocery store one day, he bumped into this doctor he had been seeing for years. And the psychologist said, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. How are you doing? And the man says, oh, I'm cured. Cured? We've been working on this forever. He said, yeah, I was, I was in church one day and I asked to meet with my pastor and he met with me during the week and I started talking to him about my fear uh, about a monster under the bed. And the pastor looked at me and said, we can fix this right here, right now. Go home, cut the legs off of your bed, sleep on the floor. true story or not probably not it is good advice (laughs) we all seek help when we're sick and it's good it's good when we go and can hear a doctor say take this pill and a few days later you'll be fine listen when I came back from from Nigeria I was a sick man we spent 14 days over there, 13 days too long. <laughs> and when I came back, I was sick. I had a parasite, and we went to the doctor, and they, they, couldn't, they couldn't kill it. And I was losing weight, and I couldn't keep anything down, and I was still trying to work, and, 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 I, and, and about a week or so after being back, I'd lost about 15-plus pounds, and uh, I, was, I was super, super, super sick. And the doctors couldn't touch it. And they're like, we don't know. We we tried everything we have. And Glenn Middleton showed up at my house with some pills that he called bug killers. Now, Glenn Middleton had bought these things in Mexico. Listen, I was half dead anyway. He gave me three pills. He said, take one a day for the next three days and you'll be cured. And by God's grace, three days later... I was better. Whatever those pills were, amen. Listen, we're all in that place when someone gives you something and says, just take this and you'll be better. We all want to hear those words. We all want the easy button. Oh, somebody help me. But see, sometimes life ain't like that. Uh, sometimes you got to go through some things. you got to lose some weight. you got to struggle through some things and purge some stuff until you get to the place where you find the right answer, right? Because sometimes the truth is this. We can't hear the doctor say, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do. Now, the Lord knows what people in these situations are facing. He knows when a doctor has given you a death sentence. Let me tell you something, church, don't you ever forget this, and you write this down, you can tweet it out. Jesus knows what it feels like to have a death sentence. The Bible tells us he was born... To die. I'm preaching to somebody. Because maybe in your situation, maybe in your circumstance, based on what you've heard or what you've been through, maybe you feel like the Lord can't relate. But today, the last meal is our focus. It's not just the last supper. It's the most important meal that has ever been eaten. I mean, with everything that's in me, I want you to see this portion of Scripture different than you've ever seen it. And today when you participate in communion, I want it to mean something than just ritual and ceremony. It represents a covenant between God and man. It's significant, and it was significant for the disciples, and it is just as significant for us today. Let me me talk for a minute about the the place, the place for the supper here, the place that was designed. Everyone knows that, listen, uh, everyone knows that a good supper requires some serious planning. Come on, if you've been through discipleship group, at the uh, the end of our first year of discipleship course, my wife uh, and some of her her friends gather around, they cook a meal for the guys who've finished. Raise your hand if you've ever eaten that meal. Come on, Right? Listen, she plans for almost two weeks and preps. She soaks rice a day before. I mean, all this whole Thai meal that she would cook for, for us, right? She hand rolls, hand rolls egg rolls. She has to cook the ingredients for the egg roll. Come on, somebody. I know y'all hungry. Is A good supper requires... Some serious planning, and you all know and understand what happens if, if, if you haven't done some serious planning, and you're still gonna be hungry. You might find yourself at McDonald's somewhere like that. Yeah. Okay. And Somebody told me next year I need to that. yeah. Negative. That's, not That's some other group. That's not the discipleship group. And if this is the greatest supper that's ever happened, Hello Church, it certainly requires some serious planning. I need you to notice the details in the scripture right here. I don't want you to miss this, right? The disciples, they asked Jesus some questions. Hey, where, where are we going to go prepare this place for, for, for you to eat the Passover? And he notice the details. He says to them very first, he said, go look for a man. Not just any man, but go look for a man. This is how he's going to stand out to you. This is how you're going to notice. It's a man with a pitcher of water. Not just a pitcher in his hand, but water in it. Find that guy. When you find that guy, it's not an empty pitcher. It's full. Everybody say full. Oh. Full of water. Find that. Don't find a guy with a half. Find a guy with a full pitcher of water. He's the one. He's the one. And he will show you. The place. Now, how did Jesus know this? Now, I get all you super spiritual people, and that's all right, I love you. Well, Jesus is omniscient. He knows, He's all knowing. Well, of course, He is. He's also omnipresent. So, of course, He knows. But, see, this is the problem that I have with us as, 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 as so many times we leave Jesus in the super spiritual area we think can't relate to him. But as, 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 as all-knowing as Jesus was, he's very practical. Jesus was very practical. When, when his disciples said, hey, these people are hungry, send them away so they can go find some food, you know what Jesus said? Ah, you feed them. Why? Because my ministry is practical. It's practical. We, we, we get involved. We talk to people. And so I, just the way I read the scripture, it's my commentary. I'm writing it. You can write your own, and yours might differ from mine. But I believe that Jesus knew this because he's already talked with this gentleman, because he already knew what this gentleman was. He knew where the house was. And they had had an agreement that this is where I will eat the Passover with my disciples. I believe that with all my heart. I can't prove it to you in the scripture other than the way that I interpret what I read. So the place is all set. The place is all set. Jesus has already prepared it. I, I need I need y'all to understand something this morning. Like it's not happen chance that you're here. It's not happen chance that you're at this church on this Sunday morning, right? No, you're at the place where Jesus wants you to be. The place is all set. He has prepared it for us, church. You need to understand that the Lord has prepared for you and I to participate with Him in in the overwhelming blessing of salvation. He's prepared it. This is why I'm convinced you just don't wake up one Sunday morning and say, I'll get saved. You just won't wake up one day and think, oh, I'll go find Jesus today. You didn't go looking for him. He came looking for you. The Bible says a man can't even come to the Lord unless the Lord draws him. That's why the Bible calls him the hound of heaven. He sniffed you out. You didn't find Jesus. He found you. You didn't one day stumble into the Lord. Listen, he was putting everything in place so that you would strategically be where you needed to be at that specific moment so that when you encountered him, it would be in such a tangible way and your experience with him would be undeniable. My wife's testimony alone tells that when her mom moved them, they moved from Thailand when she was three or four years old, and she said, then God took the next 20 years to prepare my heart and life, to put me in a place to give my life to Him. God literally moved me halfway. I've been to Thailand. It's halfway. Around the earth and into 20 years to pave the road for me to meet Him. Come on, church. You don't... Get saved by dink. You don't get saved by coincidence. You don't happen chance one day run into Jesus and Jesus was like, Oh yeah, I forgot about you. The place is set. It's strategic in his grand plan. Now let's talk about the timing. Oh, come on church. It was during the Passover season. Ooh, come on, somebody. It's the biggest festival for a Jewish person that could ever exist, the Passover season, the, 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 the festival on unleavened bread, right? It's equivalent to us as Christians as Christian, or Christmas or Easter. It's a big season. Here at firm, you guys know that we'll, we'll spend four weeks before Christmas working up to a, our Christmas sermon series and our Easter sermon series. I plan all year long to preach those two series so that we have a proper encounter with God for those two moments, because they're strategic for us, church. The birth of Christ and the resurrection of Jesus, your whole salvation hangs on those two things. For a Jewish person, though, that's the Passover. Think about this. Passover celebrated the night the death angel passed over all the Hebrews and killed the firstborn of Egypt. You you know that, right? Right? Now get this, it's also called the Feast of Unleavened Bread because no yeast could be used during the days of the festival at all. So each family was to take the following steps during Passover. Watch, they were to choose a lamb that would be killed on the evening of the Passover. They were to take the blood of that lamb and smear it on the doorposts. On the outside of the house. Come on, church. Then they were to roast that lamb over a fire. And eat it with bitter herbs. Come on church. And unleavened bread. Now here's, here's something I need you to get this. They were also to eat this meal. Fully dressed. Now. I'm not real sure about you or how you eat supper, but I usually eat supper fully dressed, but maybe that's different for some folk. I don't get it. I understand why. They were to also eat this meal with their shoes on. Now, that stands out because typically you take your shoes off before you enter a house, especially in that setting. They were also to eat this meal with a walking stick in hand. Fully dressed, shoes on, with a walking stick in hand. And I'm not done. I'm not done. Exodus chapter 12 talks about the whole thing. You can read it for yourself. But listen to this. They were also supposed to do what your mom and daddy have always told you not to do. Eat it in a hurry. Remember, chew your, chew your food, chew your food. No, they, they had to eat it in a hurry. That was the specific instructions, fully dressed, shoes on, walking stick in hand, and to eat this meal in a hurry. They had to be dressed to travel as they ate. Why? Mm. Because they had to eat in faith that the blood was going to save them and deliver them. I'll come on, church. This was no meaningless ritual. The Passover represents what the Lord was preparing to do. It represents, it's a shadow of what God was preparing to do. And and as a Jewish person who participates in the Passover, they were to believe that God was preparing them for deliverance. See, here's the thing, church. So many times we just live our life, amen, and we go through the motions. And and we're not not really, even though we say we're Christians, do we really believe that God is preparing us for deliverance? Come on, somebody. Listen, if you've been struggling with something in your mind, if you've been struggling with something uh, in your life, if you've been struggling with depression, anxiety, Maybe an addiction. You can't overcome it. See, you're not living your life as if God is preparing to deliver you. You're living your life at trying not to fall one more time. That's not living in faith. See, you got to be fully dressed. Amen. You got to have your shoes on and your walking stick in hand. Are you with me, church? And you got to eat in a hurry because when the devil shows up to tempt you, you got to be ready to walk. You got to know. you all not helping me. Maybe you're a recovering alcoholic, and some of your friends show up with a cooler. You got to be ready to walk. Maybe you're a recovering drug addict, and some of your friends show. You got to be ready to walk. See, some of y'all not ready to walk. That's why you stay there and you stay not delivered. You got to be ready to walk. You understand what I'm talking about here church the timing of this is super important this festival meant something and as western world Christians we read the, world with, or the word of God with western eyes and we don't get it yeah. it's one thing I love to do in the discipleship class when I teach guys how to read the bible don't read it with western eyes yeah. you'll miss it I love this As they participate in the Passover, specific instructions, specific instructions, specific instructions. See, I talked about it last week. Some of y'all have been given instructions, and you just won't listen. If we're going to escape the judgment of God, the blood of Christ must be applied to our life. Somebody got to say amen. Somebody got to say amen. Somebody got to say amen or oh me. If we're going to escape the judgment of God, forgive all this nonsense in this world. Can you imagine how terrified the first night, the night, the Passover night. Can you imagine how terrified the firstborn of every Hebrew family must have been? Because outside of their house, on the other side of the doorpost that the blood is spread. Come on somebody. All they hear amen, is trouble. All they hear is dying. All they hear is mourning. All they hear, amen, is the death angel passing over and the world falling apart. All they know, they know that the firstborn of Egypt, amen, is dying in every home. But I'm a firstborn. What about me? What about me? And I can't imagine that in every house, every firstborn, come on church, would look at his father and go, am I going to be okay? What's going to happen to me? Am I going to die like the rest? of them and come on somebody can you hear his daddy look down at him and say don't you worry the blood is going to save you come on somebody They may be dying out there, but there's blood over your life, and you're going to be delivered this night. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. The blood has been applied. Amen. Passover is happening, and we will be delivered. Our shoes are on, and we're fully dressed. Look at me, son. I got my walking stick in my hand, and God Almighty is about to get some glory, and we've been slaves all our life, but in the morning, we're going to be delivered. (laughs) Woo! Woo! Y'all, y'all don't read your Bible like I do. I'm just sorry. I'm sorry. A little, a little anointed Ric Flair came out. It's all right. Some people don't like to talk about the blood, they make fun of us because we talk about the blood. We preach about the blood. They make fun of us. We sing about the blood. They make fun of us. And listen, the reason, the reason we put so much emphasis on the blood of Christ is because we understand the significance of that blood, church. It is something not to be embarrassed about. Come on, somebody. There's a little girl who grew up with her mom having deformed hands. And for some reason or another, she'd never asked her mom about her hands are so deformed. And this young lady one night was going to have some friends come over and spend the night at her house. And she was super embarrassed by her mom's hands. And so she went to her mom, and she asked her mom, she said, hey mom, my, my friends are coming over, can, can you put on the gloves so my friends don't see your hands? And her mom said, I can do that if you'd like but I've always looked at my hands different than you have. And the little girl finally said, Mom, what happened to your hands? And she said, when you were a little baby in the crib, our house caught on fire. And I realized that no one had gotten you out of the house, and I ran back in with a blanket around me to protect me from the flames and I realized if we were gonna run back through those flames that they would burn you. And so I took the blankets that I had wrapped around my body and wrapped them around you. And on the way out, my hands got burned. And the little girl looked at her mom and said, Never mind. Listen, some can see the blood of Christ as an offense, something that has offended them, or I should say, offense, I'm sorry. But I'm here to tell you, if it wasn't for the blood of Christ, you and I would be doomed for all eternity. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22, it says this, Without the shedding of blood there can be no remission of sin. Every person in this room has been given a death sentence. Maybe you didn't hear it from a doctor. We were born into sin. We were born into the fallen nature of Adam. Every person in this room has been given a death sentence. And no matter how you feel about it, we've all been seeking some way or another to overcome it whether we are believers or not, the whole world is trying to figure out how to escape de- How do we live longer? How do we, how do we escape death? I mean, some people have gone so far that they had their heads cut off and frozen. So the one day they can be reanimated. This is the world we live in. It's the truth. You can look it up. I should say Google it, but please don't do that. I trust nothing. I'm just going to tell you. You know how many pictures can be manipulated like that? You know how videos can be manipulated like that? I see people posting stuff on Facebook all the time, and I'm like, people, do you understand? <laughs> they are painting a picture they want you to see. Sometimes my wife and I will go to a movie, and we we'll watch a movie, and I'll go, that's the real world. There are people like that. We are so sanitized and sheltered. Come on, church. No matter how you feel about it, we've all been seeking help to overcome it. Whether it's a physical death sentence, whether it's a spiritual death sentence, it doesn't matter. In our own efforts, we've been left to fear like the firstborn Hebrew boy on that first Passover night will I die too? But this morning, and this place, at this time, yep. I said this morning, and this place, at this time, I said this morning, right here, right now, the Father is saying to all of us, don't you worry, the blood's going to save you, don't you worry, the blood's Gonna save you. And maybe you're here this morning and you've been playing outside and refused to come in for a long time. You've just been keeping yourself close, but you ain't came in. Maybe you've been dabbling with the idea of Christianity salvation, but you had never fully committed yourself to the Lord. In this place, this morning, right here, right now, God has prepared this place for this time for you. Hello, somebody. Will you stand with me in this place? And I want to say to you right now, church, if you are a born-again believer, pray. But this morning... If you don't know that you know that you know, come on, church. If you've never given your heart and life to Jesus, hello, somebody. I want to give you an opportunity to come. If you've been living in fear of a death sentence that's been given to you, I want to give you a time to come today and let you hear the Father say, don't you worry. The blood is going to save you. I know you fear. I know you've been going through some things. I know there's been some struggle in your life. I know you are worried about whether tomorrow will even get here. But don't you worry. The blood is going to save you. Hello, church. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, in this place, we say amen. So be it. We say thank you, Lord, for the blood. It's been applied to the doorposts of our lives, for the saving of our soul. But God, I want to pray right now, Lord, maybe there's someone who's listening in the room who's never received you as Lord and Savior. Now, now, In this place, right here, Lord, you have worked to prepare. The details are all in order. This is not happen chance. This is not uh, dink. But Jesus, you are working in the background to make sure that there was a place for us to participate in Passover. Hello, somebody. Every saint in the house, won't you pray? Keep your head bowed. If you want to give your heart and life to the Lord, right now in this place, you've never been saved, but you lift your hand up right now, right where you're at. If you want to give your heart li- life to the Lord right now, if you're not saved, you want to give your heart and life to Jesus right now. Hello, somebody. Today's the day. Come on, brother. Come on. Hello, I see one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Keep your hand lifted up. Come on, we're gonna give a minute. We're gonna give a minute. Hallelujah! If you got your hand lifted up, come on. We're gonna pray with you. Father, I'm a sinner. Come on, repeat with me. And I've sinned against you. Right now, I repent. I ask you, Lord to come and wash me. Cleanse me and make me whole. I receive your cleansing blood right now in Jesus' name. I'm washed. My sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. Never to be remembered again. Satan, I renounce you. Go from me now. I belong to Jesus forever and ever. Jesus, I am yours. Thank you for washing me and cleansing me in your blood. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. (laughs) Hallelujah. All of heaven rejoices. All of heaven rejoices. When one comes to salvation... I'm going to ask our ushers to pass out the elements. And as we do, I want to sing this song. And we're going to take communion at the end. Hallelujah. Come on, we got reason to rejoice. The blood is here.